0: All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Behind the Movement. My guest today is Chip Conrad, who I had the honor and privilege of meeting in person uh, not too long ago, maybe about a month ago now. So I'm excited to share this conversation with you. We'll get to it in just a moment. Um, First, all of my announcements, uh, a few opportunities to do some infinite play coming up. The first is going to be um, January 3rd through the 7th where I will be participating in the Kinetic Playground Movement Summit in Boulder, Colorado, hosted by Block 1750. Um, I'll be facilitating alongside some really incredible teachers, as I've said on previous episodes, people who have been uh, on the podcast like Marlo Fiskin, Wendy Kanal. Alicia Grayson, um, Kim Amonqua, Winston Reynolds. It's being organized by Leah Woods, who's also been on. So it's going to be amazing, and there's a lot of other teachers as well. So if you're anywhere near Boulder or feel like making uh, the trek out there, I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be five days from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. You can go to my website, uh, just go to Infinite Play and there's all the links to, uh, to where to sign up for that. Um, and you can go to the same place uh, to, to sign up for the next two events as well. Um, while I'm in Boulder, that Sunday, which is January 9th, I'm gonna be doing an Infinite Play Kids event, which is just gonna be a two-hour jam there in Boulder. For any kid who is uh, elementary school age is welcome to join. Would love to have them. So uh, if you're listening and you're a parent and you've got some some kids in the area or uh, you know some parents who've got some kids who uh, need some infinite play, which they all do, um, it would be amazing to have them. So again, you can go to... uh, to my website kylefincham.com under Infinite Play to sign up for that, and then um, starting on January fifteenth, which is the following weekend, um, that Saturday, and then every Saturday Saturday after that for the for the following ten weeks, I will be doing a two-hour jam in New York City in a different park every week. Um, we're going all the way through the winter snow, rain, cold, mud, whatever it is, we're gonna play through it. So get some warm clothes, get some gloves, sign up. I think it's gonna be amazing. Um, Also, if you use the discount code IPNY15, all caps, IP as in Infinite Play, NY as in New York, and 15 as in 15% off. You can, you know, purchase one jam or five jams or all ten, and you can get 15% off any of those kind of uh, sign-up options. So, yeah, check it out. It's going to be exciting. I'm, 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 I'm happy to get to spend uh, a few months in one place for a bit. Yeah, those are the things we got coming up. Looking forward to all of them. As I said, my guest today is Chip Conrad. Uh, Chip reached out to me last year at some point. Um, He had started listening to the podcast. We exchanged some messages, and then... When I was in Boulder most recently doing an Infinite Play event, he came and participated and it was really awesome to have him in the workshop and then it was awesome to get to hang out and, and chat a little bit afterward um, and thought, I think we should, record a, we should record an episode. We should record a conversation. Um, so if you're not familiar with Chip, let me give you a little bit of his background and who he is. Chip Conrad digs movement, music, and mutts, along with being a perpetual student of a dizzying array of strength and flux outlets. He has a hankering for physical culture history, having studied with Jan and Terry Todd, Mel Sif, and Tommy Cano, among many others. He's competed and coached nationally and internationally in multiple strength sports, but won't let any of that get in the way of a good tumble, tree climb, or river dip. He is the founder of Body Tribe in its many incarnations, including an actual gym of almost 20 years, some books, some DVDs, and now a new series on YouTube called Body Tribe Anywhere, in which he, after turning 50, travels the country doing groovy workouts in interesting locations while sometimes interviewing important strength philosophers. I really enjoyed speaking with chip and uh is one of those people i i'm i'm looking forward to uh hopping on the phone with from time to time between now and whenever uh we meet up together in person again and hopefully collaborating at some point um as i say at the end of the podcast uh, um i'm putting links to his uh YouTube videos and such in the show notes, so you can check that out. Um, yeah, let's not waste any time. This is it. My conversation with Chip Conrad. Every kind of turn we make, I'm I'm grateful we let go of the gym, and I know you had a gym too. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I'm missing it. I'm missing roots, but yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, for sure. There's a there's well, a freedom.
0: When was it that you you let it go?
1: um August two thousand twenty.
0: Okay, so you held ha- you you held on for a bit.
1: Lockdown started in March. And, yeah, and yeah. So I tested out the waters for a little while and just realized I can't do what I want to do uh-huh. in this scenario. And yeah, it was tough. Right. You know, I mean, because you know, my my training is is. Let's play. Let's do stuff. Yeah. Similar to you, but also add some barbells to the mix mm-hmm. and s- s- distancing from people and having people not contact and, and creating these little boxes that you're supposed to stay in. And I mean, all the protocols were just ridiculous. And I thought this this isn't how I work and it's not how I want my people to work and it's not how we're going to explore our bodies. So, uh-huh. I'm going to to see what I can do. And I I created a situation where all my people knew how to do what they were doing. I was just sort of a guide on their journey. So I knew if, if I did close the doors, they're still going to keep going. Right. Right. It's a, it's a bummer. I can't be there with them all the time now, but uh, you know, they're all still moving and we all still keep in
0: contact. Mm -hmm. So did you, did you move everything like redoing online classes or did you shut it down and just kind of maintain contact from afar?
1: Uh, I shut it down and then I started a website and so I keep in touch with, I keep in touch with my original peeps um, mm-hmm. any way I can, but I also have a website for people who want to do what I do. Mm-hmm. I just don't have a home base anymore.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so then you, I mean, because, <clears throat> because your gym was, you know, obviously not mobile, you must have had a home and everything as well that you, you let go of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of picked up and went. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah. And it's been interesting to explore the country and explore parts I've never been to uh, and explore how people view movement
2: mm-hmm. from
1: almost an outsider point of view.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's 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 been it's been great on some scales oh. and it's been really tough on others.
0: Yeah. Where was it? Where was your gym located? Sacramento. Okay.
1: Right. Right. Downtown Sacramento.
0: Wow. Is it, have they put anything into that space yet or, or is it still empty?
1: Some of the people who were also sharing the space with me, they've, they kept it. So stuff's okay. still going on there, but it's definitely not what I, it's definitely not what I was doing.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about when we first kind of, well, you initiated contact. I think it was after I put up the podcast with Shira.
1: Yeah, right. Because I had just worked
0: with her too. Had you did you meet her during uh, the lockdown, or did you mm. had you known her for a while?
1: Yeah, a long time. Okay, um, I have a, a video I did about play and the concept of play, where I actually visit Athletic Playground,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I think I filmed that. I want to say almost a decade ago. Wow. So so yeah, her and I crossed paths a long time ago, and and. I've had her when I had my gym. I had her come and teach at the gym once in a while,
2: uh-huh. and
1: whenever I could, I just you know try to absorb her energy and her movement styles and her and her um, creativity and exploration.
0: Yeah, I re- I realized you're like a an OG. I briefly <laughs> did like a like a Google search at one point, and there was like an interview that popped up with you from CrossFit South Brooklyn. Yeah. And I don't know how long ago that 2007 was.
1: 2007, maybe 2008.
0: Yeah, and then I saw there was a video of you with Dan John.
1: Oh, Dan John and I have deep roots. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I'm like, uh, you've you really been around. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He and I put out a DVD together. That that's got to be over ten years ago.
0: Wow. Um,
1: and I filmed. We we've talked together quite a few times. And I, in fact, recently I just visited him, and I I have, I did his podcast.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I have a. A video on my youtube channel me talking to him about his gym uh-huh. and so yeah he and i whenever i'm in utah i stop by this place
0: okay how did you guys connect initially
1: years ago i mean i'm talking maybe 2002 2003 somewhere in there
2: uh-huh.
1: um i have i started reading his original online newsletter which was called from the ground up uh-huh. and Somehow we started—I don't know if we started communicating—but we ended up knowing who each other were, mm-hmm. and and through a series of events, a mutual friend of ours put us together to start teaching, and then we've just been doing stuff together ever since. And that—that okay. that was, you know, literally a decade plus ago. Can't yeah. remember
0: how long. And so when yeah, and, we... and when you were like reading that stuff, what was it that? What, I don't know what did what did your teaching or your training look like at that time that had you like drawn to what he was putting out there.
1: He had this thing that I loved. Uh, it was he had this these ten commandments of lifting, uh-huh. and it was it was commandment number nine, which was put the bar on the ground and pick it up a bunch of different ways. Uh-huh. And I thought, yeah, that gives you that gives you ultimate freedom. Uh-huh. First of all, it says, look, there is no dogma that you need to follow. And second of all, it says you have freedom to explore. And third, it says, hey, what's worked in the past is going to work still. You know, the foundations are always the foundations. And at least that's what I got from from it. Turns out that's pretty much what he was trying to say as well. And uh, and how he wrote around that was very, um, uh, he wrote very well. to to support that one thing that I loved. And everything he wrote around that seemed to support it and and was very eloquent. And I thought, this this guy speaks pretty well and from a place of knowledge. And I I gleaned onto his stuff early. And turns out we were kind of, we had similar ideas. By the time we started teaching together, we sort of taught the same thing, but just from different voices and different backgrounds and different experiences. And then we started teaching regularly together. And this weird thing would happen where, he would do his workshop on one day and then I would do mine the next day. And it was always whatever new he was introducing, just mirrored whatever I was doing at the same time. So Mm -hmm. the two of us, the two of us have had very similar parallel journeys when it's come to movement, but from, from different places, from, you know, competitive college athletics and and, uh, uh, that sort of thing for him. And then just this stupid little skinny kid who never got into sports at all, but is still coming to a lot of the same conclusions on my end
0: hmm so so at the time you were you spending more time I don't know in in the in the realm of of strength is that where you were at least kind of like dipping your toe in yeah there was this uh
1: I think my introduction to I joined the gym in my 20s the same way a lot of people do and that is to you know to look better But just in a very short period of time, I realized that's not what this really should be about. And lessons from my parents were still instilled in my head. I kept hearing the voice of my mom or my dad saying, why does that matter to you? Why don't you want to actually do something? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, yeah, that's true. I'm I'm going to probably look better anyway, just by pursuing doing stuff. And so I started seeing what was out there. And, And back then the internet wasn't much of a thing yet. And so we got most of our information about this stuff from bodybuilding magazines. And I realized that's the same article reproduced over and over again for the last 30 years. So I had to look around and I wasn't seeing a lot yet. My eyes weren't quite open yet. So I started exploring the world of strength sports and I got into powerlifting and then eventually the sport of weightlifting and then eventually strongman and all those things. But then I realized that's only fun because it gives me the strength to go do other stuff. And that's Mm -hmm. when I realized, that's when I started tapping into my my eight-year-old self and thinking, what my eight-year-old self want to do? Oh, he'd want to climb and tumble and roll and fall. And and, you know what's over there, let's go check it out. What's up there, let's go get that. Can I pick this up? Awesome. Mm -hmm. And that was how movement was uh, processed in my brain for most of my life. I never quite got sports. It Mm -hmm. really wasn't a thing for me. I didn't, didn't play them well, didn't enjoy them that much because I'd much rather explore. And so when my adult self could latch onto the idea of my child self wanting to explore movement and having that t- set, uh, type of relationship with my body, then I realized all that strength stuff was simply the foundation to help support me go have a movement practice. Hmm. and That's been the foundation of my training ever since. I train not as my movement practice, but to give me the ability to go have a movement practice. You know, nice. be be in the gym to get the frick out of the gym. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's interesting because you know, I, I I don't know. It's something I end up thinking of thinking about quite a bit. Where it's like, uh, some of the things, like the strength and the mobility or the kind of the moves, have become the centerpiece mm-hmm. when they're just supposed to be kind of the seasoning. Right. Right. Exactly. Or, or I did. You know, I shouldn't say supposed. To. It can be whatever it needs to be for everybody, but. You know, when we're talking about existing and communicating with the world, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like so many people, I look around and they're doing it and doing amazing and exciting things, but it's like, it's almost preparation to do movement in a vacuum.
1: I I call it the 800 pound squat syndrome. Mm -hmm. And that's, and you can replace when I talk about this, feel free to replace 800 pound squat with any category of movement. Mm -hmm. Because I just use the 800 pound squat because I've trained a few people to get there. And when people get to that point to get to an 800 pound squat or whatever, you become so laser focused that your, your potential to do anything else starts to go down. Now, originally, most people get into squatting to make themselves better to go do other stuff. In other words, the squat is supposed to help you get stronger. Mm -hmm. And then there's this point where people just decide, well, I'm just going to get stronger at the squat. And then as they get stronger at the squat and only the squat, they actually lose the ability to do other things. You know, they sacrifice so much for that squat Mm -hmm. and you can replace squat with anything. You could replace squat with yoga, with CrossFit, with any product that movement has become. We start to, under the mistaken belief that that thing is going to make us better at other things, um, in the beginning, it probably will. But once we focus on nothing but it, the rest of our potential goes away. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of similar to what you're saying. We focus on the thing that's supposed to help us get better when all we're doing is getting better at that one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the squat's supposed to make us better. Well, I'm just making my squat better at that point.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's also just like the more kind of, like you say, like hyper-focused you become, like the, I don't know, it's almost like the the less noise you want on. Yeah. Right, you want to be uh, almost like turning off all the other sensory information so that you can be so kind of into the one thing. But I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I think like movements about communication.
1: It's a relationship um, with our body and other bodies.
0: Yeah, and then the spaces we move through, and it's mm-hmm. like you know, there's so much of like the tamping down of that. You know, like the the space is perfect, the lighting is perfect. In in the
1: strength world, you have to have the right barbell. You uh have to have the plates on your bar a certain way. Come on, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) just pick Mm -hmm. the damn thing up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the relationship with the floor gets, you know, interesting. It's like, it has to be flat or in like lifting shoes or this shoe or that shoe. And it's just like the whole
1: world of gear. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, I've said this before. It's like, it's, it's this continuation of like outsourcing our, our, sensory experiences or outsource, you know, creating like layers between our, our body and like act and, or our senses and actually feeling the things. Right, how much distraction
1: like, can we get in there? Right, Instead like how- being present, how much can we distract ourselves?
0: Right, it's just getting further and further in that vacuum, but it's like, you know- I Under, know, the,
1: under I, the guise that mm-hmm. we're actually trying to make a better connection. Yeah. Like we, we, can, we can bullshit ourselves at that point thinking we are making the connection because mm-hmm. that's what the industry keeps telling us is supposed to be happening, right?
0: Yeah, you go to the gym.
1: There's a better version of you in there somewhere.
0: Well, and, and and you know, so many of the things that happen around the gym are kind of, I would I call it kind of like inward facing. Like it's 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 a lot of me and not a lot of we. Right. 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 Like strength, mobility, and uh, moves are very me, mm-hmm. but like being creative, adaptable, and cooperative involves other things and I, and I think about it, if I were to just bring it into strength, since this is like, um, you know, kind of our springboard here,
2: yeah.
0: um, you know, I remember do you know, working out of a CrossFit gym, teaching CrossFit for a very short amount of time, but like, you know, we'd be talking about these Olympic lifts and we'd be like, Oh, they're functional. They're functional. And people would ha- ask, well, why do I need to lift so much weight? And you'd be like, "Well, oh, you know, you'd always jump to like the lifting the piano thing or putting boxes on top of somewhere.
2: Right.
0: And the more I've thought about it, I'm like strength, doesn't not matter right but i think that it's a an emergence from being creative adaptable and cooperative because i think that over the the existence of humans we weren't probably lifting that many heavy things by ourselves yeah that were perfectly weighted we were actually lifting odd objects and we were probably doing it with other people
1: right right not just perfectly weighted but the same height off the ground every single time and yeah yeah but there's a, a friend of mine uh, in Colorado, actually, who I, who I visited right after I, I was at your workshop, um, Jason Woods, he's got a garage gym out there. And I remember him saying, he, he was a competitive power lifter and teaches competitive power lifting. But he said, you know what, nowhere in my life have I ever outside of the gym had to pick up 300 plus pounds. Right, It's never been a thing. And that's true. It, we're never going to really encounter that scenario where we're going to lift a car off a baby or something. Right. So yeah, what if we don't have things in our program that actually take that strength and apply it to life, then what the hell are we doing? And that's, that's a big part of my program is figuring out how can we think about what are we doing here? That's actually getting us better out there.
0: Right. Right. Because in some ways, you know, some of this, what you were saying there briefly made me think about this idea of like, uh, you know, lifting something, really heavy that we, you know, A, it's probably not going to happen very frequently in our day-to-day life. And if it, and it does, prob- what kind of life is that? Right. <laughs> and it probably wasn't happening in, in our human past on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And and the reason we feel like we can do it now is is kind of this privilege that comes out of abundance, right? Yeah. Because right. it's so energy inefficient yeah. to just be constantly doing strength things all the time because we, you know, we, we, we would never have done that before because we would have wanted to conserve our energy and really move as efficiently and effortlessly as possible. But now we have this privilege of like a grocery store, right?
1: right exactly. Well, it's, it, take it one step further than that. We lack rites of passage in our society now. Ooh. And so I think the gym offers a lot of rites of passage. We have to make up rites of passage. Um, I even uh, talk about this in a recent video on YouTube where um, we seem to love the rite of passage of struggle. Like somehow suffering is supposed to be, um, makes us better. Like we're going to be rewarded greater if the suffering is greater. That's, I mean, a large chunk of our culture seems based on that. And you see that manifest in the gym all the time. If I suffer in the gym, somehow I'm going to be rewarded better, which of course is probably not true, but we we crave rite of passage so much that we turn mm-hmm. our gym experiences into into those rites.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there's a, I don't know. It's yeah, I read a lot about people kind of questioning, you know, the American culture and the things that are missing. And often it comes to like relationships with ancestors and elders. And you know, I think that facilitates some of these things that we're kind of yeah. hungry for that you're that you're talking about. That, you know we we almost create in other places that we we would have gotten in other ways in the past. right
1: we're not you know we're not going off to battle to fight the kingdom over the next valley you know mm-hmm. every other thursday or anything like that so what do we do now to have our rites of passage mm-hmm. how about some you know brutal suffering style workout that's going to crush our spirit and soul
2: mm-hmm. hmm. okay how's that so- going to
0: manifest once we leave the gym right so, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, when we met, that's when I realized I was like, oh, like I could tell you're very strong. Mm-hmm. You know, I could, I could feel it when we shook hands. I was like, oh, this person, I could feel the strength move through your hand. Um, so I'm curious now because it, you know, what is your relationship with, with strength work and how you kind of presented in your own, in your own practice, you know, I, however you, imagine it as you play with it.
1: I like to think of the idea of exploration. What can Mm -hmm. I do? You know, if if I'm if I'm faced with an obstacle, what do I do with it? Do I go over it? Do I go through it? Do I go around it? Do I pick it up and move it? Mm -hmm. Um and and that manifests in a playful way for me. If I'm Mm -hmm. out in the world, I'm always looking around and thinking, can I get up on that thing? Can Mm -hmm. I go through that thing? Can I climb under that thing? And Mm -hmm. so thankfully with the strength practice I have had because I still compete in strength sports once in a while but mm-hmm. that's simply to give me that foundation to say yeah I can jump over that now or I can climb up that because I've put things specifically into my training that do transfer to my curiosity of what the hell's out there what can I go do what can mm-hmm. this you know 51 year old uh, skinny average body go do and so it's, that's, um, it, it's nice to have a little foundation of strength to move from never, you know, nothing natural, nothing. I'm not one of those guys who can, uh, one of those athletes who has any natural gifts to do anything. And so it was fun acquiring years and years of ability to, so now that I can go explore and use it for stuff.
0: Yeah. And do you use, uh, and I'm bringing this up because it's something that I think about a lot. And also because I just got to speak with Frank. Uh, forensic, exuberant animal, Mm -hmm. and uh, I just love his idea of like romance and precision. Mm -hmm. And do you use kind of that playfulness, that being out there in your exploration, to give you that feedback to like when you go back to the gym? Oh, hey, now I have some things that I I know I can spend some time on, and then I also have ideas of things that I don't need to spend so much time on anymore after.
1: That time out there. Exactly. If you're, I mean, training should be filling in our gaps. Mm. And so when I'm out in the world exploring, that's finding out what the hell my gaps are. Mm. Oh, I can't quite do that as well as I thought I could. What do I need to do to fill in that gap? Or as you mentioned, yeah, this thing right here, okay. I can do that all day. Maybe I don't need to focus on that quite so much anymore. So yeah, the exploration. Um and I should say this with a caveat, the exploration with presence and awareness, which is something that I've had to work on for years to gain. Mm-hmm. Just going out and exploring, you can have a lot of fun and it can be completely purposeless and, and um, frolicky, and that's mm-hmm. great. But for me, I do like to have the, the presence button on and the awareness button turned on so I can have that feedback um, to go fill in those gaps then go back out in the world and see if I may, may, might be able to explore a little bit more this time because those gaps mm-hmm. are filled in.
0: Mm-hmm. So the people who, who have been like um, taking class with you for a long time or, or your longtime students or whatever you call them, um, how do you propose this idea to them?
1: In the very beginning with anybody I work with, we talk about defining the word strength. Because when you define it in a textbook, it's going to tell you something about, you know, the body's ability to generate force. Um, but when we talk about strength metaphysically, beyond physically, when we're just talking about what, is, what does strength look like? How does it manifest? What's a strong person? Um, we're going to get a lot of answers that have sometimes little to do with physical, or at least um, a lot more to do with the beyond physical. And then you start once you start defining it, you can start basing goals that are so different than what the industry wants you to base your goals on. You know? And I think one of the beautiful ways of defining what it is, is ask yourself, why is strength important? And when you start answering that question, why is strength important, you have your answers to what strength is. And, you know, maybe it's longevity. Maybe it's being able to support your tribe. Maybe it has something to do with play and frolic. Like my big three, the big three purposes I keep coming back to, provide, protect, and play. Hmm. Those are my big three. And um, all my training, therefore, I like to th- have people's training based on their value system. So if we can start figuring out where, what our value system is, then we can figure out what strength actually means and how to train for it. And then it becomes a journey that isn't so much based on numbers necessarily as much, as much as it is based on what we were just talking about, exploring, finding the gaps, coming back, filling them in, going back out. And so I think from, from my you know 25 years of doing this, there's a foundation of basic movements that I want people to be able to do. Because I think if we start building from that foundation, then we can explore. And, and have more uh, possibility exploring. So I'm always working with those basic foundations. And then depending on what your definition or whoever's definition of strength is and where they want to take that, how it wants to manifest, we can build from that foundation and be a little more specific in certain areas, mm-hmm. but we always start with the same foundation. So whether you're an elite level athlete or fresh off the couch, we're going to start working from the same place because we're all going to have the same uh, issues, the same tightnesses, the same uh, weaknesses and strengths, no matter who we are. And so we go to that foundation, and then we can build off of that.
0: Man, I just have to say, I'm so into how you're presenting this, because I feel like it's something that I have brought up a number of times, this idea of like, what's your message? Yeah, What is your message? And you know, oftentimes, people respond with something that sounds a lot more like content you know, (laughs) you know, or you take a class somewhere and it's built around content. You're like, well, what's the message? Like, ah, movement. You're like, that's not a message.
2: Right.
0: That's, that's what you're doing. But what is, what is, what is your content, the vehicle for?
1: Right.
0: Right. And as you were talking, all I'm thinking is like, wow, he's saying his message, you know, and and, and, and then asking people to go home and say, well, what matters to you? what What's your message? What's your purpose, or what are your values? Right, right. you know, um, or the purpose for training, and and that's a different thing, right? And and when you reflect on it that way, like all content can be presented in different ways, mm-hmm. right? We can, you know, you can present um, a push up, for instance, in a playful way, and you can present it in um,
1: very technical and, way, very or, or,
0: yeah, scientific
1: or, way. <laughs>
0: exactly, um, or you can present it in a competitive way.
1: Yeah,
0: right? Right, right. And 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 all of these frame the content, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so very cool to hear somebody talking about that um, because I also don't think that people spend a lot of time reflecting on their values.
1: Uh, right. If you if you were to ask somebody about their value system, you might get words like, you know, respect, appreciation, love, but then you look at their workout and it's probably abusive Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and probably disconnecting and that's not respectful or loving. So yeah, there's so often that the the workout and the value system just don't connect at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I, going back to our, you know, rites of passage scenario or or our love of suffering, I don't know if that has as much to do with it or not, but it might. And so, Uh, you know, you, you, say message. I love the word message. Um, I use the word philosophy Mm -hmm. and most gyms that I've seen have no philosophy. They simply have what you said, content.
2: Mm -hmm. Like
1: you look up a gym's website, you go to a CrossFit website, there's a philosophy and then Mm -hmm. you read it. That's not philosophy. That's program design. Mm
2: -hmm. That's content. Mm -hmm.
1: And, and so, and, and what you see in a lot of gyms is not only do they have no personal philosophy, but if they do have a philosophy, it's somebody else's. They've bought somebody else's thought and now they're turning around and selling it. That's how the industry works. And so, my, my last, uh, my recent two books, one of them is about building your own strength philosophy. You know, mm-hmm. how do you create your own philosophy? And that's, a, a, and I, I would switch that out with word message, with the word message. I think that's a great term for it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you're going to, if you're a trainer, there's four things I think we're always working on as a trainer. It's uh, technique, um, program design, uh, personality. And then the last one, which I think is the most important, is purpose. And yet that's the one that's not talked about by anybody. We're always talking about the, the what um, and the how. How to do it, what to do. Very rarely are we talking about the why. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's the discussion we should be having a lot more.
0: Man, I just, I think it's, I think it's so important because it's like the content means so little and it's like, I just, and I think that when you have your message, the content comes easy and it fills in on its own. Exactly. I was, I was saying, you know, someone was asking me about like my workshop and, you know, asking me almost like about like a, how I plan it or organize it or something. And I just said, I don't, I don't. Mm -hmm there are things I like to do right now that I are kind of the things I've been playing with. Yeah. but I don't plan it because I just know what my message is. And -hmm. I just walk in there and I just think, stick to your message and like, Mm -hmm. and just, and hit the ground running. And it sounds similar, like what, what you do a little bit with your, with the people. Cause as we're asking, as I'm asking you about what you're doing with the people you work with, there's not, well, the program looks like this, or it looks like that. It's just like, Oh, well,
1: let's think, think first here, let's, yeah, let's here, dream first
0: yeah let's let's just stick to the message and let it kind of emerge out of that
1: yeah because as you said the, the content's there already you, you know the the what and the how to do it who cares that that's that's going to manifest because of the why That's going to turn into a program because of their why mm-hmm. so the why sort of guides the show in fact I, I like to think that if you're going to talk about transformation you know the big word that's used in the gym a lot there's three aspects to that and it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, intensity, consistency and purpose. And there's that purpose again, because we can, I know so many people who are so good at gymming, but they haven't really discovered the purpose in it. So they're, they're guideless. They're, they're kind of floating in terms of where they're going. Transformation doesn't always mean a good transformation. So unless you have your purpose defined, who knows how that transformation is going to manifest.
0: You know, maybe it's kind of like a scary rock for people to start getting underneath, mm-hmm. right? Because I think, you know, I feel like I, I, I've said it so many times, but I just think it's so brilliant. When, when I spoke with Marlo and she told me that uh, we should be thinking more about the, the, the changes we want to see in the world through mm-hmm. our practice and, and teaching. And that's message, that's philosophy, that's, you know, the, your value or whatever it is. And maybe that's a scary place for people to go right? Because it so might start, clearly. because it, it might transcend <laughs> the gym
2: mm-hmm. or
0: their training. And that mm-hmm. could be like, oh, well, what the hell have I been doing? Or what it's, should I do oh, next? Exactly. Right? I mean, it, suddenly we're in like this bigger, this bigger thing.
1: Yeah. The, the, it's funny you mentioned what the hell am I doing? Or, or, or is it even the right thing? Or where should I go from here?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think we should sort of be asking that all the time. But mm-hmm. That's, that is a, a perpetual struggle. When I tell people to define strength, I also say this is permanent homework because mm-hmm. our, our uh, uh, definition might change, might grow, might expand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we should always be questioning the why, and yet it's the thing we turn off the most, unfortunately.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, um, my my uh, first book... Well, actually, my my first book that that I don't even make available anymore was I called it. I told people it was about personal empowerment through movement. But then I went through some things after I wrote that where I thought, well, "What the hell? How good is that if it's not helping your tribe? Like, does personal empowerment even exist if you're not bringing your tribe along with you?" Um, and I I can't remember. Oh, it was a Remember the movie Into the Wild, the guy goes, mm-hmm. goes and lives in the bus in the middle of nowhere. He, he, there's a line from that movie, something along the lines of, it, uh, does joy even exist if you can't share it or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, that's it's kind of true with empowerment. Does empowerment even exist if you're not also bringing your tribe with you? And so that defined my next two books after that, which is why I don't even really look at the first book much anymore, because I thought mm-hmm. you mentioned it earlier. It's very kind of a, most fitness is a very self-centered act. Mm -hmm. So how do we take that and go, well, let's bring everyone else along with us if we can.
0: Well, because I mean, that's, that's the reason we have this like this nervous system, right. To like communicate with all these things. And it's just like, well, why would I, why keep it to just, just, just to me, it's like, well, I don't know. Like we're, we're, we're supposed to be like uh experiencing it and feeling it and interacting and sharing it and that's all part of like the thing like you know someone could be ungodly strong but like if they don't know if they don't have all those senses that have like really been fed their their intelligence like there are a lot most scenarios they're not going to know what to do with it
1: right exactly you could almost ask what's the point I see yeah. that in the gym a lot. Actually. I look, I, I see the, you know, the Instagram videos and everything and the the show off posts and that sort of thing. And my question is always great. Now what, mm-hmm. what are you, you going to do with that? Back to the 800 pound squat syndrome. What are you gonna do with that? Mm-hmm. I want to see what happens afterwards. After you do the 800 pound squat, then you take that strength and you manifest it somehow. That's what I want to see. But, that rarely shown because it rarely happens.
0: I want to propose this to you because I think you you'll find this interesting. Uh, so I talked to, um, this guy, Stephen Jenkinson on the podcast a while back, and he wrote uh, a book that was probably one of my favorite books that I read last year called die wise. Mm. And I, you know, I was asking him about some artwork that he had done. Cause he, he does a lot of different things, but, um, he, he, he was a he's an artist as well um sculptor and i asked him and i used the term creative expression and he he kind of challenged me on it and said i don't really like that term because it's very individual and i'm interested in doing art as a as a citizen as opposed to an individual and you know you're talking about kind of bringing your tribe along and it's like well what does it look like if you again to bring it back to strength cuz that's where we've been chatting about a little bit but like what does it mean if you practice this thing as a citizen
1: mm-hmm. as opposed I like to that. an
0: individual I like what that. what does it look like cuz at maybe some moments it might look exactly the same but in other moments it could totally change it
1: it's uh, back to my 3p's the three purposes uh, provide protect and play yeah. that for me is how it ultimately will manifest i can mm. i can provide for my tribe I can protect and obviously play is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are, none of those are uh, Mm self-centered. Those are me taking my self-centeredness and hopefully sharing it. Mm -hmm. And and so that, that's, that's why my purpose evolved into those three things. Mm -hmm. Um, You, you talk a lot about communication and I think that's huge. And I think in those three things is Mm -hmm. a great deal of communication, which is, you want to use the term die wise. I know that I'm not going to until I learn how to do that better until I understand (laughs) communication better. Uh Um, And so through movement and strength, that's one way I can do it.
0: Man. I think it's, I I think what you're talking about is like, so spot on. I just think, and I, and I love that you're talking about too, that it's like an ongoing question and that it's always changing. I was listening to Alan Watts recently and he he was talking about us being a process and not a thing.
1: That's I I actually use that phrase in one of my books. Really? Uh, I I, ch- I changed it a little bit. I've changed it to we're more verb than
0: noun. Yeah. Oh, I wrote I, I used that as well at one point in a in a blog post.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think that's that's exactly it. we are an experience. Mm-hmm. We're not the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's if you're going to talk about presence and awareness i think the biggest way to understand that is to start finding your presence and awareness being able to stop yourself and go be here now i'm here now how is this manifesting how is this um how am i interacting Mm -hmm. and in my terms how is my strength then being applied to the world
0: yeah i'm so curious now hearing about kind of where you've arrived to today. And I'm sure if we have this conversation, which I hope we do in five years, you and I will both be completely different. And hey, maybe in even years. in person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, how has your relationship to competitive weightlifting changed <laughs> with this uh, evolving philosophy, philosophy, approach, message, etc.? I have a
1: way different idea of competition than a lot of the people I compete against
2: mm-hmm.
1: being, first of all, I've, I know I've never, one of the things I always strive for, and I try to talk to, my clients, uh, talk to my clients about this, is being your best rather than being the best. Because no matter what, there's only gonna be one, the best. There can be infinite our bests. And I've met a lot of top level athletes who are the best. They're not their best. They're all falling apart, or they've had to make major sacrifices to get to where they are, or whatever. They're not necessarily being their best. They're just striving for this um, external idea of what the best is. Somebody else is telling them what the best is supposed to be. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of questing for our own best. Um, and when when we start talking about tribe. I'm hoping our best can be being the most individual you can be as an important integral member of a tribe because a tribe doesn't being part of a tribe doesn't mean conformity and that's a big thing that people need to know society isn't a packet of conforming a society is a bunch of powerful individuals sharing that individuality with each other mm-hmm. and i'm hoping that through strength that can happen now you're talking about competition I've never really felt that I've had much to prove. And especially now I'm in my fifties, I've done stuff. I'm who am I trying to prove anything to? So for me, competition is more of about a benchmark of where I am on my journey. You know, talking about filling in the, finding our gaps and filling them in. That's one way I find my gaps. I'll go and compete and go, Oh, I didn't do that very well. Do I need to, maybe I do let's go back and work on it. If I do. Um, so Competition for me is actually extremely playful.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't care about anybody else in the competition, or I, I shouldn't say that. I don't care about besting anybody else in the competition. Um, and because I, I'm the the king of being average, um, <laughs> it's I will place anywhere in a competition. Sometimes I win, sometimes I'm dead last, and and all of that is wonderful because uh, the experience is, is what I come away from. I like to think of it... Uh, sort of about the like the ancient Greek ideal of competition, which is you bring your best to meet somebody else's best so you both grow and learn. And so that when I show up at a competition, I'm hoping I can bring my best so other people can benefit from it. And then I'm getting their best and I'm gonna benefit from it. So it becomes a mutual growth rather than the other Greek comp- uh, idea of, of play, which is war. Mm-hmm. War is conquer, dominate, win at all costs, and that's what modern competition seems to look like. But to me, it's more. To me, it's more the old idea of, uh, "Hey, why don't we all get something out of this? I'm going to compete against you. You and
0: I are going to come out of this better."
2: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is. I mean, again, something I thought so much about that I. <clears throat> I just look around and there's a lot of conquer, defeat, destroy, force. Yeah. And it's, and, it, and it's on all kind of the, all three levels, I would say, right. yeah. like on the, on the, on the, you know, our individual level, it's like, I'm going to conquer this body, or I'm going to conquer and defeat this mind or death or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to change, right? That's a big one. I'm going to maintain what I look like right now. And all these things, you know, in the, with people, it's like, I'm going to beat this person, or I'm going to defeat this company, or I'm going to yeah. be better than Etc. And then, you know, I look around and, you know, a lot of the way we interact with nature is like, well, I know better. I'm going to force it into submission so that I can right. mold it to what I want it to be. And I wish for more of what you're talking about, you know? Um, and I think that's why I, I'm almost fed up with competition across the board yeah, because it's feeding this other thing because it's, it's, it, it, it it's like this, it's just a pawn, but it, 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 it plays into this bigger thing. And I wish for more people mm-hmm. to be able to play competitively
1: Yeah,
0: in the way that you're talking about.
1: Right. Right. I mean, and I, I don't know how to get other people to that point because again, here's the whole rite of passage thing again. Right. We, yeah. And if we're talking about having a better relationship with our body, which is sort of what I think a trainer's job is, is to create, better relationships with people in their bodies. Why on earth would I want to create an abusive relationship, that type of relationship where you are trying to dominate and conquer your body. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting thing about the body is the body will learn movement before the brain does. It's usually the brain that gets in the way. Let's let the brain, you know, analyze and process and build a program or whatever. But when it comes to learning movement, the brain should, you know, step back. And if we can accept that, then a lot of our training could be simply asking the body instead of telling the body or even forcing the body. And if we can have that sort of dialogue with our body, um, then maybe competition can take that playful level. Hey, what do you want to do today, body? Awesome. Let's try to do that better than we did last time. Or let's try to do that um, differently than we did last time.
0: I think it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like this cultural celebration of winning rather yeah. than rather than a cultural celebration of of playing
1: yeah why Why not just the celebration part you know yeah let's celebrate instead of having to um celebrate um, winning yeah, yeah. And, oh now and, and you're seeing and I know you've seen this it's being instilled in our culture in people at a younger and younger and younger age just mm-hmm. kind of a bummer and and <laughs> It's now perpetuating through social media. If you do social media, now your goal is to become an influencer. Mm. That's, how you, that's how you win at social media now. Mm-hmm. And so it infects every aspect of our culture.
0: Yeah, well, it's like, you know, sometimes the social media too is this like, um, to be an influencer, for instance, like you need to really <clears throat> commit to an identity yeah. and, and kind of win the identity game. So that you have this nice, strong, identity to present to the world or something, I don't know, rather than, I don't know, celebrating dynamic values or something.
1: Right, right. Or, or yeah, and, and those dynamic values might be a lot more of who you actually are. Mm-hmm. Imagine being more of who you are rather than what you want people to think you are.
0: Yeah, what I, it makes me think about, a, uh, I've brought it up here a few times, and I just feel like it's such a great movie. I don't know if you watch many films. Um, but the, that Pixar movie that came out this year, Soul. Oh my God. How so good. great is that movie? I watched so my, it for a second time.
1: My dad is a jazz musician. That's all he did his entire life. And okay. he just died a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. So to, to, to uh, one aspect of that movie, I cried my eyes out for several mm-hmm. scenes because of that. But yeah, other than that, the message and the, and the way it was presented was brilliant.
0: Regular old living yeah right regular old living yeah and and i don't know in some ways i feel like hearing you talk i mean it's a little bit of like it's pretty groovy old, yeah and reg, regular <laughs> regular old living is pretty is awesome
1: yeah give it a try if you, if
0: you, if you let it be right I, and all the I'm, stuff that we're talking about is just kind of the, the salt and pepper on it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I
1: and mean, the world is is uh, can quite literally be your playground If you're willing to just look around and go, Oh, what can I do? What's out there? And it doesn't have to be anything extreme. It could be regular old living, Mm -hmm. but even regular old living has so much more possibility than what we think is out there.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, you don't need to wait for the moment where you're back squatting the 800 pound for that to be the the moment. Right. Everything that happened in the day before it is also, you know,
1: Awesome. So it's funny. One of the things I, I, I try to tell my clients is, um, you know, people often mention how good they feel after a workout. They always say, mm-hmm. yeah, I came in, you're feeling like crap and I feel good after the workout. And they tell themselves and they tell me if I can remember that it's much easier for me to get to the gym. And I say, okay, cool. Why not feel good during the workout? If I'm doing a set of squats and it's and I'm killing it. And I'm like, Argh. And if I put a smile on my face and just realize, look at what I can do. It doesn't matter if I'm hitting a PR or if I'm doing a set that is far below my actual potential, look at what I can do. And when I started applying that to my training, it really changed a lot of things. It became s- celebrating regular life. Like, Hey, my regular life is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I can do this one thing. And when we can appreciate that, I can do this thing. Um, there's, we'll be surprised how many things we can actually do that we can give ourselves a pat on the back for and we can find joy. In.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure I've heard it somewhere, but I, I always think of it as like the idea of time traveling, right? Where, you know, we get caught up on like what we didn't do yesterday that would have made us what we thought we should be today. Yeah. Right. Or if we do X, Y, and Z today, then maybe somewhere down the road tomorrow or 10 years from now, we might be the thing that we're supposed to be when like and right now,
1: focus on that so much actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah right like, now is a great
1: moment. huh?
0: Yeah. Right now, right now is perfect. Like, you yeah. know, I think, you know, people get in their own way a lot. Right. And, and as you were kind of talking about earlier, like the, the thinking brain is so valuable and so like sinister at the same time right in, in yeah. some ways it's like we think that it knows all but it knows little mm-hmm. right um, especially when
1: it comes to the body
0: yeah it's 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 so powerful though when we use it as like a um, kind of like a pointer of awareness yeah as opposed to like the driver
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go
0: you know sure. right and i think that that's yeah that thing is 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 our magic and our curse at the same time mm-hmm you know very true (laughs) yeah i mean i i I love thinking about those things like the 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 two systems like i love um like thinking fast and slow he writes about it um um uh, what's the other one the inner game of tennis a lot of like system one system two like in the mind but like a lot of that idea of like our our thinking brain isn't necessarily the best as the driver
1: right right yeah um there's a, a term that I love that I use in, in one of my books, uh, "hylomorphic." And hylomorphic was a, a Greek term that literally meant soul body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's basically, shoving those two words together, soul body. What it meant, I'm going to butcher it, and I know Aristolian scholars are going to hate me for this, but you know, if you if we're going to take the modern concept of mind body spirit and truly interweave them to the point where um we can understand that if one of them suffers the other two don't fully manifest Mm -hmm. and so oftentimes when the the brain is running the show the other two suffer because it's doing all the all the work and it thinks it should keep doing all the work and then we're not listening to the other two and i I use the term uh i I use the idea of stressed out to Mm -hmm highlight how this works when we're stressed out is it body mind or spirit yes Mm -hmm. all of them and how do we come up with the joyful product of that what's Mm -hmm. the joyful version of being stressed out where we can feel the hylomorphic self completely uh together where the brain isn't totally running the show but it's it's helping it's helping you know guide a little bit Mm -hmm. so that's um one of the one of my thought processes in creating training is how do we aim a little bit more for that hylomorphic self rather than just a brain-driven system where the body is being controlled and conquered
0: yeah yeah so what tell me then like you know i know you're not teaching regular classes now and or, or you know and, and maybe you're doing online coaching or, or yeah. how you're doing it i'm yeah, and, and maybe it's 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 individual and unique, but I'm I'm curious even more now about like what that what that looks like, you know, like what you know what 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 you know like what does a session look like or a class look like as you present it?
1: I have I definitely have a template, but that template is malleable per person, of course. In the long term, when I when I do group scenarios, like when I taught at my gym and I would teach group classes, I still would have the template and it's still malleable. And the goal would be to teach everybody um, to take the template and make it their own, mm-hmm. just under my watchful eye. But one of the things in the, in the very beginning when I work with, and I mentioned this, I mentioned this before, when I work with anybody, we all start the same. And that is, I don't, we don't do exercises, we do movement. Because a trainer, ultimately, we should be teaching people how to move. And yet I've seen a lot of people who exercise a lot who still don't know how to move. And so I start there and, and, and with that comes the conversation. And I made a big video about this on YouTube that I just posted today is understanding the difference between movement and exercise Mm -hmm. because in our culture, we love to turn all movement into exercise. Like if I, if I took your, your class in Colorado, if if I joined your group in Colorado and I were to talk to somebody about it afterwards, there's a good chance that that person sound would say something along the lines of, Oh, that sounds like great exercise. Mm -hmm. And I, I talk about this with hiking a lot. A lot of people say, Oh yeah, hiking's a great exercise. And it it cultivated to me once I was in a, an ER with a, a girlfriend at the time and she was there for roller derby and she had a concussion. And I remember the nurse finding out it was from roller derby and she said, Oh, roller derby i heard that's a great exercise Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: i wanted to say hey if you're getting concussions from exercise you're not doing your exercise right Mm -hmm. this was the byproduct the 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 outcome of the exercise you know Mm -hmm. i can go hike because i train i do some exercises to help me with that i can um come and join your group thankfully Mm -hmm. because i've trained to move a little better because I'm not the greatest mover in the world. So I, I've, you know, I like that I've trained to be able to move so I could come take your class. Not all movement is exercise. And yet our culture is for some reason, fixated on turning it into that in their brain. Hey, I, I took a great, I took a new dance class. Oh yeah. I heard that was great exercise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I'm just expressing the strength I already have or the movement capabilities I already have in a new form. Um, and so in the beginning, when I work with a client, I try to stress that, you know, let's talk about movement and, and versus exercise and we move and I have this system that I'm not telling them that we go through. And the reason I'm not telling them, is because I never want them to feel that if they don't get to the next point that they failed somehow,
0: mm-hmm. because I
1: have a protocol. If you can do this thing, then we're going to go to this. And if you can do this thing can go to this, but I'm not telling them that because I just want to see how they move. And if they can't go to the next thing, I know exactly how they can move. In the process, I don't have to tell them that, so they don't feel like they failed in any way. Mm-hmm. And in the process, they've also learned how they move on their own, and they've learned a little bit about themselves. And we spend at least the first session, sometimes the first two or three sessions, um, just moving. It's a lot of ground-based stuff. Sometimes we stand up and do some stuff, but we're not counting reps. We're not doing anything completely repetitive or anything like that. We're just exploring certain movements. I'm learning all I need to know about them. I can start prescribing exercises later when, I've, when I know how they move and what works and what doesn't. And during that time, and I think this is as important, if not more so, is the conversation about defining strength, like I mentioned earlier, movement versus exercise, and how we're not gonna worry too much about goal setting right now because we're gonna experience movement first, and then set goals because if people started telling me their goals right off the bat, they're going to tell me the goals they think I want to hear because I'm supposedly a fitness professional. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan John calls it the "A not A." You mm-hmm. know, they come to you wanting to be the person you want them to be, and so they're going to tell you their goals from that place. In other words, they're telling you their goals. You can only build goals based on experience. And if somebody's experience is simply what the fitness media has told them, then the only goals they're going to come to you are uh, what the scale in the mirror says.
2: Mm. And
1: so if that's, I, 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 I hate to sound mean about this, but so when people come to me initially, they actually don't know how to set goals yet. And so I don't care. We're going to talk, we're going to help them. We're going to find their value system and and talk about how to train from their value system. We're going to get them moving and then we'll start building goals. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, the the biggest goal is simply, Hey, you're here and you're moving.
0: Awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's, 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 that's the romance and precision thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people, you know, you know, start with precision and then go out to romance or maybe not even get to romance.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Make and then go stuff. back and they, they stay, they just kind of go precision, little romance, but back to precision because precision mm-hmm. is really nice. Cause it's defined. We can talk about, like you said, the numbers, the reps and yeah. names of the movements, the exercises, yeah. but what you're proposing is that thing you're proposing. Like we're actually going to start with romance. We're going to start with the big thing. And then Let's we'll let that, right. And then we'll let that lead to the precision, mm-hmm. right. Which is the goals or right. maybe some reps and exercises.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, that goes back out to romance mm-hmm. and then back into precision. It's right? sort but, of,
1: it, I like to think of it as we're going to listen to this. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to let this do a little bit of its job. And mm-hmm. then we're going to keep listening to this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, this will, this will help direct the show a little bit, but for the most part, the producer of this show is going to be this.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really, I, I think that's, that's so valuable. I just feel like, you know, people, there's a lot of numbers and there's a lot of words and people like lead with that
2: mm-hmm.
0: when what we're talking about is actually just going out and doing the things that we can't define and learning things that we might not be able to talk about. Yeah. Right. You know, And that's, and that's, that's the romantic thing, you know, yeah. and then the little pieces that you can maybe kind of articulate and maybe think, okay, okay, well, uh, well, my, my, my hips were limiting this. Okay, good. Well, let's now we have something. You know, mm-hmm. but like, there's a, still a whole boatload of things happening. Like, you know, when you, co- you know, I like, think of a friend who I went hiking with and he, and he moved down the mountain, kind of like, like a mountain goat, you know, mm-hmm. and that was amazing, right. Watching him do that. And it's like, he's learning so many things by kind of like twisting and turning and bobbing and jumping and slipping and sliding. Right. And he'll never be able to articulate to me. Right. You know, but after he's done, he might say to himself, "Oh, yeah, that was amazing." You know, you know, my my ankle's bothering me a little bit. I'm going to go like work on that a little bit. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the stuff we can't put words to. But I always think that like that, in terms of from the movement perspective, yeah, I I think we should. That's the stuff that matters.
1: Exactly, we should always be aiming for those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and And even if we're not aware of them, (laughs) yeah. In fact, if the more we can create a scenario for them to happen, we might not be aware of them, but. They will happen all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I always say that the problem is, is, people want to be able to go to the bar or their juice bar or whatever, and, uh, and talk about exactly what happened. <laughs> and, and, and as great as that is, what really happened wasn't probably that anyway. Right. And, and the things that were probably the most valuable are the things that you can't quite put the words to. If you just are like panting or happy or you, you, you have this new relationship that came out of it or something like
1: yeah, that, I, that
0: might be the, the signs of something happening.
1: I, I, that's, um, and, and I'm hoping that we can train towards having at least some presence and awareness to, if not define it, at least just be able to say it's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm having one of those moments, you know, that it'd be nice to um, reflect on that. I, I, I discovered that in traveling more and more. I, I, the more I traveled, the more I realized I wasn't really processing the experience a lot. I was mm-hmm. taking it all in, but again I would try to talk about it later and you know mm-hmm. define it later. I found that to be able to actually be there in the moment, be present doesn't need definition. It just needs to be experienced. And mm-hmm. so I'm hoping you know by having a foundation of ability, maybe we can also learn how to be in that moment without having to worry about what it means
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then realize that maybe the only way that they you can explain it to somebody down the road is by like playing a song or pointing at a piece of artwork and being like i don't know but it's kind of like that
1: yeah right like that's
0: that's the thing
1: yeah exactly you
0: know like oh like what'd you you know how was that today it was like oh it was like you know that song for whom the bell tolls by metallica that like that (laughs) that's kind of like what it felt like like what happened you know it's like that's but I mean that's what art is for art is sure. there to kind of like capture the things that we can't put words to
1: yeah yeah exactly how was that hike Well, it was kind of like a Rothko painting mm.
0: <laughs> yeah they're like oh okay <laughs> you're like I don't know you can like relate I don't know that's that's this I don't know it it, it it matters but again we keep getting further and further into this place where like people are really told I think to be mm-hmm. focused on numbers and words.
1: it's it, We have this human condition of needing to invest in something. And mm-hmm. so the industry is really good at telling us what we're supposed to invest in. Mm-hmm. And part of the bummer is that it's turned movement into a bunch of categories. Mm-hmm. Um, even movement itself is now sort of a category. You got this new movement culture, you know, flow culture, whatever you want to call it. And so it's a product now. Once there are categories they are product, and so you have you know, your CrossFit or your yoga or your powerlifting or your P90X or your or your flow. Um, and and so as an invested human where we love to invest in things, once we start investing in it, we can also turn on the cognitive dissonance so we can believe that that is the way without without uh, wondering if there's something better or if there's more we should be adding to it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, I've always thought, be more fun if we took the good stuff from all those categories Mm -hmm. and just created our own little journey out of it without having to categorize it
0: right and 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 that's a an individual journey
1: yeah exactly each person finds finds the different good parts
0: yeah or and 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 then shares it with each other you know and like Mm. you know it's i don't know it's such a cool uh adventure you know even like when i think of this conversation we're having right now you and I are basically coming off our own adventures to meet down in a valley right. to, to have this chat and yeah. whether gonna, we can articulate it or not, we're going to take things that we exchanged in this yeah. and then go back off in our own things and add that to what we're doing yeah,
2: and I'm it passes
0: on to, and it passes on to other people. Yeah. And that wouldn't happen if, for instance, I, I was committed to a single mountain Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're on this trek and you're like coming down to the valley and you're like, "Yo, where's Kyle? I thought we were going to chat here at some point." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. I'm on the mountain with mm-hmm. all these other people and this is the mountain I've committed to.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not even going to come down and like meet you to hear your things." Right, right. You know, like exactly. we're we are, <laughs> we are blazing up and this is the only mountain. I know I can see other peaks in the distance, mm-hmm. but I'm convinced that this is the only one. Is that, the one. Those those are illusions.
1: Yeah. In the words of the Mandalorian, this is the way.
0: but but you know movement to me is supposed to be you know all all things but Mm -hmm. what we're talking about at least like movements better as a as a as a soup where everybody is a different spice
1: yeah absolutely it's it when if if you're a curious human being then it's all about possibility
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and yeah who knows maybe the possibility will manifest as an 800 pound squat but you know what there's a lot of other things that it can manifest as as well
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's um and I think that people sometimes get caught up on movement or health being I don't know limited to just what happens in that space or again like what they can put words to and don't see it quite in like in the in the holistic way, right? Like you can be an elite crossfitter And very unhealthy for instance because you struggle with relationships or you don't you know lack tools for communication or anything
1: there are sacrifices you made
0: right and and, you know i'm using that as an example and they know that's not the only thing but it 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 makes me think about a conversation i had with a friend and maybe i've mentioned it on here but like you know he's so he was so committed to a certain way of practicing movement and and never stepped outside of those walls that he revealed to me that he you know struggled meeting people and making friends that didn't do movement and didn't Mm -hmm. practice it that way Mm -hmm. and as i said in the beginning movement to me is communication Mm -hmm. like that's what we're learning like we're learning to communicate on all these different levels with all these different ways that we can Mm -hmm. and it was a it, it, it felt very sad to me that i was like oh like you know well then what is what is what's going on with your movement practice if Struggling to communicate with people outside of that, yeah, yeah. right, and, and it should it should be benefiting it. It right. should be helping us.
1: I think the end because the industry has sold it to us as packaged products, each one of these categories, mm-hmm. um, and then we invest into it. Uh, again, because we are so invested as humans, it's really hard to admit. Oh, there could be other things out there, and that's that's kind of a bummer because, like you're talking about all these. Th- packages all these categories should actually be feeding each other they should all be mountaintops feeding down into the valley mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, eventually just blending and mm-hmm. if you do buy into a category and you invest into it the, the the bummer is you're not investing in its empowerment you're actually investing in its limitations like you your your buddy is now he's now sunk deep into the limitations of where he's at -hmm. As the way for him.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, then, then to kind of almost bring it full circle, it's like when, when you realize that the the message might matter more than the content, that all that all changes
1: potentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Big time. Yeah, because you might. It's hard to find the message sometimes, and so when you go through that process, you might even find that there really isn't much of a message beyond the content.
0: mm Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's uh I didn't realize that we were thinking about so many similar things.
1: <laughs> I kind of got the gist we were.
0: <laughs> oh really?
1: Oh yeah, but taking a workshop and everything. I kind of had the feeling. <laughs> and, and you know what was was actually interesting is is talking with everybody afterwards, hanging out with everybody uh-huh. and going to eat and chat. Um that that particular group there in Boulder mm-hmm. um talk about a collection of people trying many, many things. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, there was a a, a breakdance class Mm -hmm. and then a lot of those breakdancers also did some kind of strength training. And then they also did yoga. I mean, there was these, this was a group of people that were going up to all the mountaintops and trying to bring the people down into their Valley. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool.
0: And I think that that's, I don't know, man, that's, that's the magic, you know, like, someone that i talked to once pointed out that you know when we commit to just kind of one way we might get up to the top of that mountain quicker mm-hmm. but everybody Doesn't mean the views any better <laughs> right but you've kind of given up your curiosity to someone else
1: yeah exactly. and
0: and they're kind of streamlining you to the top it's kind of like going to the top of everest with like all the sherpas and mm-hmm. and you know the whole thing so you get there and you can do all sorts of things but like you you know you've missed out on all these kind of things that happen along the way when when you have to be curious and when you have to ask questions and not just be handed answers
1: yeah i think you've you summed it up it's somebody else's idea of a mountaintop Mm -hmm. if you get to the mountaintop but somebody else created that mountain
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so yeah i think you're you're definitely nailed it when they're following another somebody else's journey
0: yeah well it's challenging with what, what you're talking about and what you're what you're doing like you're facilitating curiosity hmm. in some ways. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a challenging task to, to take on, you know? So I, I admire that because I think that there's, there's value there and that there's also um, a lot of weight that I think is taken off people's shoulders when they're given permission to be curious. Cause now, mm-hmm. you know, when you give permi- people per- permission to be curious, you were giving them permission to fail Uh-oh. and slip and fall it. Oh, I lost you for a second. Okay. Yeah. I was just saying, you know, when you're, when you give people permission to be curious, you're giving them permission to do a lot of other things as well, right? To, to slip, fall, fail, um, to, to, to be perfect as they are right now and mm-hmm. to celebrate imperfection, um, to, you're giving them permission to change. Right. Yeah. When, when someone is stripped of their curiosity, I don't know, a lot of those things might go away. Yeah. Right. right and that's a really debilitating feeling
1: the, the less curious you are the more manipulated you can be by somebody else
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of that in, in fitness and, and in politics and, it, yeah i mean in
1: the world in general
0: yeah 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 it's just it's 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 yeah it's insidious it's it's out there yeah mm-hmm. so let's start here <laughs> yeah but i mean it's nice to to cross paths with somebody who, who, I don't know, shares that idea, that idea of like, Oh, like I just, I want people to be curious. Mm-hmm. I want them to like, you know, ask the questions and not just look for answers.
1: Right. Right.
0: You know, and maybe not find them.
1: Keep asking.
0: Yeah. I mean, an answer ends the conversation, right? <laughs> right. You know, maybe that's why jeopardy has gone on for so long. Cause they always have to give their answer in the form of a question. <laughs> that's why it's lasted so long. Like it's always a question. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Um, if people want to connect with you, what is the best way to do it?
1: Um, Facebook. Uh, you can email me at bodytribe at gmail.com. Um, my YouTube channel is where most of my ideas are public. And it's just simply body tribe. I think, I think <laughs> and YouTube mm-hmm. Maybe uh-huh. It's body, body tribe chip, which is also my Instagram. Um, but I put out a video every week where we, mm-hmm. where I discuss this stuff and I'm also moving and grooving and, uh, it's, I put a lot of work into those videos and no one watches them, but I'm, I'm hoping somebody besides my mom watches them once in a while.
0: Well, make sure you, you send me the the link to your YouTube and I'll put it in the show notes here. Okay. I think I know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you teaching anything online? Or are you, you thinking you'll be doing any, any workshops as you travel at any point?
1: Yeah, uh, if you go to, uh, I have two Facebook pages. One is the Body Chart Fitness page, which is I created for my gym many years ago. But then the other one is a group. It's you know a private group, which all, all that means is you ask, hey, can I join? And I'll let you join. But um, those and my Facebook profile are usually where I post the events that I'm going to be doing. Okay. So I'll probably be doing something here in Texas in the next couple of weeks because I usually do when I'm here. Okay. Um, and then I'll I'm going to build a 2022 schedule soon. And somehow you and I need to click. Go. We, we
0: we gotta we gotta collaborate at some point. I think it would be so awesome. Yeah. I Especially have a, there's
1: there's a group that I that I helped create a while ago called Mental Meatheads uh-huh. and Mental Meatheads taught workshops around the country and it was always, uh, myself and one or two other trainers. Um, sometimes Ryan Hurst from GMB or Dan John or, uh, uh, uh Jason Brown, Jason C. Brown, who you talked to. I uh,
0: love them. Yeah.
1: So we've all taught under the mental meatheads banner. And so we'll have to do a mental meatheads and get you involved.
0: Dude. I'm so in yes. Sign, sign me up wherever it's at. I will, I will be there. I've got Delta points. I will find my way. <laughs>